You are listening to the Her Money Matters Podcast, Episode 49. Welcome to the Her Money Matters Podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real-life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hey there, this is Jen Hemphill. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to this podcast. I know there are so many great podcasts to listen to, and the list of podcasts to choose from is growing every single day. So it means a lot that you're here tuning in and listening to this particular show. So I want to remind you, or if it's your first time listening, you can, I want to make sure that you know about it too. But today, if you're listening to this episode, when it is released on Thursday, May 12th, before 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that's the key, Thursday, May 12th, when it's released before 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you have the last chance uh, to grab a spot in the Fearless Money Sisterhood monthly membership program before the price goes up. Currently, the price is $25 a month. That is completely a no-brainer price. And if you are listening in after 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, May 12th, you'll miss out on this. And it will be open again on July 1st. So what, what the changes are, I'm going to be doing quarterly enrollment instead of ongoing an enrollment. So the next enrollment period is going to be July 1st and the price is going to go up and there's also going to be an enrollment fee as well. It will still be value packed. It'll still be a no brainer offer. So if you've been contemplating joining us at all, I suggest you grab this deal now because if you like special deals, this is it. $25 a month and you can cancel at any time before um, and the price will go up after 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, Thursday, May 12th. So I wanted to make sure you're aware of that. You can go to jenhempill.com forward slash fearless if you want to go ahead and grab that. So let's go ahead and move on to today's episode. In today's episode, we have a fabulous woman on the show. She's also a fellow military spouse like myself. And you're going to learn what adventurous sport she's gotten into and what goals she's working on. She's going to share why downsizing on a car was not a good financial decision for them and what lesson they learned from this. She's also going to share what influenced the decision to invest in real estate. And I think this is the first guest to my memory that is talking about real estate. So this, this is cool. And she's also going to share how having multiple bank accounts has simplified their spending. And if you have been following me for a while and, and know how I personally manage my money, that definitely makes me smile. So let me go ahead 
and share with you about Amy Schick. She's an Army spouse of 21 years, a mom to three sport-loving kiddos. She loves all things real estate and DIY. And along with her husband, they are using real estate investments as part of their retirement plan. She co-founded the Military Property Project with an Army spouse, and they have merged with Agent Hero and together are building Millie. So let's not delay and let's go chat it up with Amy. Welcome, Amy, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you. Yet another military spouse, yay for military spouses out here. So excited to have you, Amy. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me on the podcast. Well, you ready to dive in? I've got questions for you today. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, tell us, Amy, we know that you've been a a military spouse, an army spouse for 21 years. You're a mom of three and uh, you are into real estate. So I'm going to have some questions about that. But tell us a little bit more about you, maybe something that not many people know about, maybe something that you really love to do and you just don't necessarily share all the time. Uh, Well, last year I learned how to snowboard. Did you? I did. And, um, it's a lot of fun. So I'm out there with the kids and I'm now, um, I now will attempt the jumps. I don't always make a perfect landing. Uh, but at the end of the year, we have this huge, um, event It's called March Madness and they create like a 40 foot, uh, pond, um, at the bottom of the hill. Mm -hmm. And so you, we have the pond skip. So you snowboard, or ski down the hill and try to make it across the pond. And it's, it's ice cold water. We're in oh Alaska. Oh my gosh. So I have been practicing all winter because I really want to make it across that pond. And usually it's kids and teenagers, uh, you know, that are participating in this event. But I just decided this is the year I learned how to snowboard by myself. I'm so proud of myself. I may end up in the water, but. I'm really excited just to give it a try. Well, I am bowing down to you. I am not that adventurous. I have tried skiing, but I but I never tried snowboarding. I do know I do not like to ski. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was not uh, coordinated enough. I, it was just basically getting in and out of those boots was just a pain. I had to throw myself. It was just not a pretty sight. But anyways, yes, I bow yes. down to you because that... I love that adventure. I know. I've surprised myself with it, actually. That's awesome. That's great. And tell me a little bit about how you grew up around money. Uh, When I was young, my parents had four kids, uh, very young and very close together. And it was a struggle to, uh, uh, you know, maintain um, the family finances. It was just a struggle financially. Um, as I got a little bit older, both my parents went back to school uh, and became nurses. And that really helped. And I saw that through education, um, you can improve your lifestyle and can improve your financial position. It takes work, um, but my parents were willing to do it. And it, it, it was great. But my parents were also very conservative with money um, because, of course, they did have the four children. Right. Um, so I learned the value of a dollar very early. My parents would give me chores that I could um, 
you know, earn money for. My grandmother would um, pay me $10 to wash her car when I was little. Um, and then as I got older, um, if I if I wanted something, I really had to work for it. And so I think that's where my um, my desire to you know, create a business started at a very young age. I was always coming up with ideas of how I could make money. Um, and some of them were not as successful as others. Um, but when I was in uh, middle school, I had a horse. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents said, you know, we will pay for the boarding, but you have to work um, to feed your horse. You have to buy its, its hay and its grain. So I cleaned stalls at the stables, which of course is like the worst job you can have is cleaning stalls. So I had anywhere from three to seven stalls that I would clean. And so every day when I went to the barn, you know, first thing I had to do was work and get those stalls cleaned and keep my job. And I made $5 a week per stall. (laughs) You know, it doesn't seem like much, but, uh, at the time it was, um, it was a lot. You know, I was 13 years old. And um, so I just, you know, I've, I've always um, seen money a certain way. Um, but as, uh, w- which was something that wasn't supposed to be wasted, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, there was nothing frivolous, really, about our lifestyle. And my parents worked very hard. So seeing them and seeing how hard they worked for our family to give us kids the things that they wanted to give us, I I had a great appreciation for that and a great appreciation for money. Um, So when Jason and I got married, I was 18 years old and two weeks out of high school. And now for the first time in my life, I'm actually budgeting our entire, (laughs) you know, life. And that Uh is everything from, you know, insurance to groceries. And I, I mean, talk about sink or swim. (laughs) I mean, it was, um, there were definitely some, um, you know, just some uh, noodle and spaghetti sauce dinners for us Mm -hmm. in the beginning um, because I I wasn't doing a very good job, you know, budgeting money. And and so it it took me a while to uh, really get a system in place. And it's been a journey. I mean, even when we were in, you know, our twenties, I still would make mistakes with money. I mean, even, even now we've made, you know, different mistakes with money and, you know, we learn from them and, uh, you know, we just learn from them and go on, but we're always educating ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And we try not to make the same mistake twice. <laughs> I hear you. It's, it's definitely a journey and you just evolve. Sometimes you have to adjust, uh, hit refresh, uh, do something else that will work, especially, especially as military families. Uh, we have to adjust every time we move, uh, adjust the budget because it's different in the new place. <laughs> Things change, right? So, Oh, finances change oh, significantly. When right. we left Georgia... And then came up to Alaska, mm-hmm. just the difference in the cost of groceries. I mean, it was shocking. And I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. So, I mean, it's pretty expensive to live there. But I was surprised when I saw a mango for $5.77. I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. But we're in Alaska. How did they get right. that mango here, right? right. <laughs> they just ship it. So um, it is. And, and I think that is quite a challenge. 
um, because you are moving to such varying areas, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, tell me how you got into real estate events, investments, uh, since you're a military spouse, you all move around. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Um, growing up, my grandmother was a realtor and okay. she had several rentals, um, around the San Francisco Bay area. So there were times that I would be with my grandmother and we would stop at a rental to, you know, take care of a problem or to assess a problem or, um, or to drop keys off to someone. I felt like that was normal for someone to um, drive by and put an envelope in her mailbox, <laughs> right? And uh, drop off their rent. Um, so it was something that, you know, was a constant conversation growing up. Um, and my parents also had invested in rentals, um, you know, early on and then sold them, you know, when they started, you know, families, when they started a family. And then later on down the road, you know, 20 years down the road, they would say, oh, if we only kept that house, you know, we sold it for $16,000 and 20 years later, it's worth $200,000. Like who would have ever thought that that little house would be worth that? So mm -hmm. I grew up with, you know, that and those investments and kind of seeing how um, the good and the bad of it. As I got older, um, I saw that those investments that is what my grandmother, what took care of my grandmother when okay. she stopped working was, you know, the cash flow from her rentals. And some rentals were beautiful homes and then others were, I mean, I didn't even like to stop by. They were, <laughs> you know, just kind of dumpy little houses. But um, nevertheless, she owned them and she rented them and, and kept them occupied and she did everything herself. Wow. Uh, she, you know, and, and my family uh, growing up, they are very much do-it-yourselfers. If there was a deck that needed to be built, we were out there helping my parents. Everything from going to Home Depot to unloading the wood to measuring, you know, we were we, we were like manual labor for my parents really um, for years. I guess that's what you get when you have four kids and they're all close together. You got to keep them busy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, so when uh, my husband and I we bought our first um, home when I was pregnant with our first daughter and it was, we were graduating from college. We, I was pregnant and I had this idea in my head that we had, we had to be homeowners. We had to have our own home before our baby was born. Okay. Right. <laughs> and so we had been searching for a while, but this is 2001 in the San Francisco Bay area and homes are flying off the market with multiple offers. So we spent a lot of time just getting outbid. We couldn't afford it. And we ended up with a condo that was on a four-lane commuter road, right? And it was it had been a rental for 20 years. We didn't even live in it the first month. We ended up you know, uh, moving out of our cottage that we were renting, moving in with my parents, and that was my graduation gift from college was new carpet in the oh, house. Wow. <laughs> and we painted and we tiled and we just cleaned. We just cleaned the entire place up. And then um, once that was complete, it took about a month. So every night after work and in between classes and, you know, and then, of course, I was like in my first and second trimester. So we ended up moving in um, in May and then our daughter Madison was born in September. So 
right at the nick of time did we get in there and get into a house. Um, it was expensive. We were mortgage poor, I think mm-hmm. is what they, they call it. Um, our mortgage was almost $2,000 a month. Um, our homeowner's dues went in one year went from $200 a month up to $350. Oh, wow. We had PMI. Our interest rate, rate was at like 8.5%. And it was killing us. Here we are, new parents. Um, we both are working. My husband's still in school. And now we are completely married to this mortgage. And so that's where budgeting became key. I mean, right. we did not waste a single penny. I, can <laughs> I became so strict about our budget because it created so much stress. And, you know, at the time we thought it was a good idea, you know, but it did create a lot of stress in that first year of marriage. Mm. Um, fast forward. Now we're, you know, two years down the road and Jason, um, finally convinces me to commission, you know, go into the army and commission as an officer. He was prior enlisted in the Marine Corps. And, um, it took me a while, but when, when he finally convinced me and we sold that house or that condo, again, that market was so beneficial that we had several offers and we ended up making a lot of money off the sale of that house, a little over $70,000. That's great. And we'd only owned it in two years. That is wonderful. So it was that really to me was, you know, we put in a lot of sweat equity into that property and it paid off. I mean, it really, it paid off in dividends for sure. So that was the beginning of it. Um, Now, looking back at it, you know, we, we probably could have kept the house and turned it into a rental. Um, and I have all my family there in that area. So they could have helped us with it. But at the time we were jumping in and changing our entire life and going from civilian life, you know, into the army. And now we've got, you know, our daughter Maddie. And then I was pregnant with our son Brady. And I just thought, oh no, it's just too stressful. So we sold it. Um, that was great. And that really was the boomerang that helped us get into our second home that we've kept as a rental. It also helped pay off some student loans. <laughs> right. right. Um, and then it just um, it helped us get into our third house. Uh, we ended up selling that house instead of keeping it as a rental um, because of the location and the age of the house. Um, and then we bought a second house in Columbus and then we bought a third um, little bungalow um, in Columbus that wasn't a primary residence. Um, it just started out as an investment property. So we did not live there. Okay. But essentially our plan is to buy a home at each duty station. And when we leave, turn it into a rental. Okay. So far we've got the three properties and it's going very well. <laughs> That's great. So, now, yeah. Tell me a little bit like one based on your experience, uh, what is one uh, piece of advice that if you're wanting to invest uh, in uh, in homes for rental properties, like from what your experience, what would you one piece of advice that you would say is beneficial? I think my to know? piece of advice is that if even if you're not sure if it's going to turn into a rental property, start the drip in your bucket very early, even if it's $75 a month, so that, or even $50 a month, if that's all you have, and just keep that drip going into a separate savings account so that when you leave, 
if you do decide to turn it into a rental, you've got a nice little nest egg to take care of, you know, two or three or, you know, maybe four or five months of mortgage payments should it be vacant. Because I think that's where the most stress comes into for families is how, if this house is empty, how can we afford this mortgage and then our current, you know, rent or mortgage or on post living? So if you start that drip early, by the time it comes to rent that house, you've got your little nest egg already built. And then if you decide to sell the house, well, then that nest egg, you know, can obviously go towards something else. You just, you know, determine, you know, what its new purpose is. But I feel like that is the easiest, I, just the best advice and the easiest way to prepare yourself. Perfect. And how about, um, well, you know, that advice can go for military, non-military if they move. So um, I think that that's good. So tell me a little bit about the best money advice you've ever received. The best money advice I've ever received is from my parents, and it took me years to follow it. I, I you know, I mean, it just, they hammered it into us for years um, and growing up, but I, I guess it just took me a little while to really uh, see it. And I kick myself all the time for why we didn't start this earlier, and that is pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that 10%, you know, and if you can do more, that's even better. But that 10% that you're going to pay yourself before you factor in any other living expenses is so key because at the end of the day, there's always something to spend money on. But if you, you know, you know, put that money away and don't even consider it part of your spendable income. And now that's hard to do when you are, you know, you and your husband. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Are in college and you're barely making ends meet, right? And you're having top ramen for dinner three nights in a row, you know, or maybe it's just you and you're by yourself. But even $25 a month, you're really not going to miss it. You really aren't. I mean, when you think about that, that's that's like four trips to Starbucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you can do without those four trips, you know, even in the beginning. But when time is on your side, and we've seen it over the past 15 years, you know, what we've built, you know, even just paying ourselves first, you know, and that is with, you know, your Roth IRAs and um, even the kids' college savings. It's been amazing to see how much they've grown, Absolutely. you know, and you just, you don't really think about it. You just set them as automatic transfers and you don't even consider that part of your spendable income. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. So I believe I know the answer, but are you the money manager in the home? I have mentioned <laughs> yeah. the budgets and tell me a little bit about how you manage your money. Well, um, about, gosh, I guess mm, 10 or more years ago, um, was when my brother, my younger brother, um, lent me his book, um, Total Money Makeover. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book really changed the way I saw money and, and really budgeting things out. So when um, I tried to do it with cash and I had this you know cute little accordion file envelope and I had everything labeled and I thought, okay, this is the perfect system. I'm starting today. But the problem was, was that I also have a husband and he also spends money. And so if that meant that if I had the envelope, 
you know, we weren't, we just, we weren't, we weren't together very much. Um, so if he then took money, you know, like bought gas or something, you know, he needed money, you know, and so we ultimately um, changed the way we did things. And then once USAA, um, once they started with their online website, we started creating separate accounts mm -hmm. for each of these um, budgeted items, everything from groceries to auto gas to sports uh, to clothing, um, auto maintenance. Uh, I separated all those accounts out. And I just, just like with the investments, I would have these automatic transfers go into those accounts every month. And that way I could visually see it. Jason yeah. could visually see it. He could get online and, and, and check the balances. And of course, now the app is just amazing. You have it on the app. You can transfer between accounts. It has just made life so much easier because it also, for me, you know, even though I put these systems in place every now and then, you know, I still overspend. It's only natural when you go, oh, you know, you think you've got so much for groceries and then you forget that, you know, Jason had picked some things up for me for an event, you know, and being able to check, okay, why, well, you know, I now have this much left, you know, for groceries, you know, I, maybe I need to adjust my plan. Having that visual. So essentially it's the Dave Ramsey plan, but I have separate accounts <laughs> yep. and it's funny because my friends will tease me. Oh, do you have an account for that, Amy? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, yeah, I do, you know, but we have found that especially with the kids, and, and then playing sports, you know, we put a certain amount of money every month in that account. When August comes along and we have to pay for hockey registration, new hockey equipment, you know, all of that, it's nice to have that build up from, you know, from the last, you know, six months that we haven't had any sports expenses. And then um, once we pay for all of those sports fees, we continue to let that money build up. So when summer comes along and there's summer camps that the kids want to participate in, you know, we say, okay, we've got this much money for summer camps. Let's see what we can afford within our budget. So it's also kind of trying to help our kids say, okay, well, you know, there's $250. Is there a camp that you can go to for $250? Right. Um, so just different things like that has really, really helped me in, in budgeting our money and, and keeping Jason and I on track because there's got to be, there's got to be one person that is like the CFO and then there's mm -hmm. got to be the team player, right? That helps Absolutely. the CFO. <laughs> well, that's beautiful that you share that. And I'm so glad to see other people doing something similar that I do because I have multiple accounts for different purposes uh, as well. So uh, that's neat to hear someone else. And for me, it's definitely because it's such a, a visual because you can on paper say, well, we're going to put this amount of money away a month and this, uh, so this amount is going to go towards this, this amount, but I have to see it. I don't want to yes. have to go back and do the math. Uh, yes. Yes, I'm kind of lazy that way, but it's just so much easier just to just, you can look at it and not well, and it also is a um, it's like an instant gratification in a sense when you go on to that website and you see how things are progressing. It's just another positive, you know, reinforcement that you're on the right track. Absolutely, I you agree. know, or okay, well maybe we need to adjust. And there are so many tools on, you know the USAA website that we use for, 
you know, just seeing like, okay, well, how much have we spent on, you know, my highlights and pedicures this year? <laughs> you, know, so, um, you know, am I spending too much money on these sort of things? Or, you know, how much are we spending on auto maintenance? You know, so that at the end of the year, when we do, when we review our budget, that's the other thing that we do is every year at the end of the year, we review our budget and then we make adjustments for the following year. Now, obviously, it's a lot more difficult when you have a PCS in that year yes. because you almost have to do that twice. Oh, um, absolutely. But we have a spreadsheet that we have built, um, and uh, my husband is like a PowerPoint spreadsheet master after all these years <laughs> in the Army. And so he manages the spreadsheet, and that's like our yearly budget, and then we just kind of um, adjust each month. And then sometimes it's just a proposed budget when we are moving um, before the move, we'll do a proposed budget, and then we'll just kind of figure out where we, you know, miscalculated once we get there. Okay, perfect. And that was my next question, but you answered it. You use a spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. And what would be, would you consider your worst purchase? Oh, our worst purchase by far. And probably the the thing we fight about the most was I wanted to downsize, and I had a Toyota Sequoia, which of course, like is a gas guzzler. And I put so many miles on it in Louisiana. And at one point, gas was so expensive that we were spending $700 a month in gas. Wow. So when we got to Georgia, the transmission was going out. And so my husband convinced me it's time just, you know, to get rid of it. It's got 170,000 miles on it. The transmission's going. You've wanted to downsize let's just go ahead and downsize. And so I guess I was just kind of in a whim that I was worried about getting stranded. When I saw that a new transmission was going to be almost $4,000, um, I was a little shocked. However, we had two vehicles that were extremely reliable, mine, you know, very reliable up to this one point that we didn't have car payments on. And so when you get used to not having any car payments um, and then bringing on a car payment, you know, it's something that, you know, I just I, I didn't really want to do. But he he convinced me that it was the right thing. So we bought a Honda Accord and we got a Honda Accord that was um, like three or four years old. And um, at first it was great. I loved it. I was like, wow, this thing has got the best gas mileage. Right. I'm thinking economical. <laughs> right. But then what happened is it started closing in on us really quickly. And having a sedan with three kids, um, you know, made me realize, one, I can't carpool like I used to. I only have room for one more child. And that just didn't work with a lot of our carpools. So now I was doing a lot more driving. And that took a lot more time because I couldn't participate in the carpools anymore. And I that is like a novice move, right? <laughs> I'm surprised that I just did not um, think that one through before we purchased the Accord. The other thing was it was not very reliable. We had problems with the spark plugs. Interesting, yeah. a Honda. And I, you know, you know, a lot of uh, family members have Hondas and they swear by them and love them. And we thought you can't get any more reliable and economical than a Honda Accord. So um, we ended up with quite a few problems with it. And then I just decided like, I can't do this Honda anymore. Like I just, it, it was, it was a mistake. 
Um, so my husband ended up driving that car to and from Fort Gordon. Um, so we were racking up the miles on that car. I mean, significantly. So then we finally made the decision to, to sell it. But because we had put so many miles on it, when we finally did sell it, you know, we, I think we bought it for 19. We ended up selling it for 13. Mm-hmm. And this was like within six months. So not only did we have the car payment and I lost my, you know, Sequoia, I, we would have been so much better off if we just would have, you know, fixed the Sequoia's transmission and kept the vehicle that did not have any car payments on it. That's an um, interesting story. And... So it was, you know, it was one of those things. It's like, how did we make such a bad decision at this age, you know, at, you know, at where we are in life? And so um, I'm back to a Sequoia again. <laughs> and, um, and all is well. I mean, it's been great. But, you know, it, it is one of those things that you think, you know, you think you're making an economical decision, but sometimes they just they just don't turn out to be that way. I hear you. So I thought instead of just being miserable with this car and having this, you know, car payment on top of these extra maintenance issues, you know, it's time just to say, see you later and go to something else. Right. It just wasn't worth um, the hassle or the money. And so, yeah, that was our worst purchase. That ever. is an interesting story. I haven't heard it, one like that and before. It recently, too. I mean, this is not something that we did in our early 20s. This is something we did just, you know, three years ago. And so, live and learn, I tell you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that is interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And who would you say influenced the most um, in the area of money? My mom and dad, okay. for sure. They talked to us a lot about money and it wasn't a let's sit down and teach you how to balance a checkbook. It was more just um, the everyday conversation of how money can really be your, your worst nightmare if you don't manage it correctly. Like it can really just eat you up, you know, or, you know, this is your money. You control it. It doesn't control you and you have to, you have to know where your money's going. You have to budget. You have to follow it. Because if you don't know how much money you have and you don't know what you're, how much you're spending on things, you know, then that's how things spiral and get out of control. So Absolutely. Um, my parents are, are risk takers. And so, you know, seeing them save and manage and, you know, and be conservative, but then, you know, knowing when it's okay to take a risk. I think is very key. You know, obviously, if you've got a young family with three kids, that's probably not the time to quit your job and start a business when you're the main breadwinner, right? However, you know, like my parents, you know, once, you know, their kids were grown, that's when they, you know, said, okay, now it's just the two of us (laughs) and we can take the risk of, you know, working part-time and starting a business. But my parents would have never have done that when they had four kids in the house and they had to feed and clothe and um, take care of us all. So also knowing when is a good time to take a risk and how to manage Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So I, I feel like that is key. I wish I would have listened to my parents, you know, much younger because there were times I made um, money, you know, bad money decisions 
And then, of course, I would call my mom and I'd be upset about it. She would never, ever rub it in. She would never say, I told you so, or you didn't listen to me. It was more of just, well, you'll learn from this. And that's okay. You'll learn from it. You know, so they taught me how to be a frugal shopper, how to, you know, not uh, not buy the first car insurance I, I go find, but to shop around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's really helped quite a bit. That's awesome. Sounds like they, they definitely put you in the right path. And you mentioned the book, to- The Total Money Makeover. Would, that, would you consider that your favorite book? I would consider that. And then the other book that I love is The Millionaire Next Door. Okay. Perfect. And the millionaire next door um, really came into my life at a at a perfect time because Jason and I were both working in San Francisco. You know, we both were looking. You know, um, he was an equities trader. I was a paralegal for an internet company. You know, we were going for what was you know shiny and flashy and those jobs that we felt were going to get us to the financial position we wanted to be in. But that book, you know, Millionaire Next Door, made me realize that it really, you know, you can um, you can build wealth in a very modest and conservative way, but it doesn't have to be the glamorous job. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to go to law school and become a lawyer or become a doctor. You know, you can, um, sometimes some of these uh, uh, companies that people, um own like uh, dry cleaners or plumbers, you know, they can have very successful businesses, even though people don't look at that and say that that's glamorous. um, You know, you can still, you know, create wealth. It has everything to do with how you spend your money and how you view money. Um, And even just, you know, his uh, process in buying homes and renting them out and his experience with it and his advice um, is pretty much what we follow with, you know, buying our, our homes for investment. We don't buy beautiful, big homes that we fall in love with. We buy homes that are going to be great for us, mm-hmm. but then also be great rental when it's time for that us makes, to go. You hit on a, a key point. I think to, uh, in my experience, I think to buy properties that you intend to rent, you really have to uh, do your research. No, it's it's a part time. You know, it can be a full time job depending on how many, how many properties. But you really have to know the market uh, and be willing to do that uh, homework about knowing the market uh, because it's 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 a serious investment for sure. It is. And really looking at, because it's hard not to get emotional, right? When you're shopping for a home and you're touring homes and there's so many homes that you walk into and you just, they're beautiful and you just can see your family making this place your home, you know, but the reality of it is, you know, do you have to charge a rent that is so high to cover your mortgage that you have significantly reduced your rental market? Right. And so that is, you know, we've always bought smaller homes. And the last home that we bought was a three-bedroom, two-bath. And our kids were not happy right? because two of them had to share a room. And they were just like, why? you know, why? But it was a great house in a great area, in a great school district, at a great price. 
And we thought, well, we're only going to be here for a couple of years. And I shared a room growing up and you guys can share a room too. It's character building, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful, Amy. I really have enjoyed uh, talking with you today. As you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because... Because it really determines the outcome of your future and how comfortable or how stressed you will be when those, when that age comes up and you're not working anymore because you just physically can't. Right. That's perfect. Well, I really appreciate, Amy, you being here. Tell us where's the best place for people to find you and learn more about you. Um, They can find me on Twitter and Facebook. And then they can also find me um, at uh, at GoMillie.com. I'm part of that uh, project, and so it's a lot of fun, and um, we're doing some really great things. Perfect. Awesome. So I'll make sure to include that in the show notes. And thanks again, oh, thank Amy. You. I'm sure we'll connect again within yes. our military community. Yes. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was so great to talk to you. It was my pleasure. Have a great day. Well, there you have it. That's yet another fabulous woman on the podcast. And I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking with Amy. I'm sure you heard the part in the interview about Amy's love of real estate. And I want to just to briefly, just a little side note that if you're contemplating getting into real estate, I really urge you to soak up all you can. It can be a good income stream if you know what you're doing, if you uh, are putting money aside for maintenance, things of those sorts, things of that sort. And if you put in the time, of course, I'm not discouraging it by any means, but like any investment, it comes with a risk and you can minimize that risk by knowing the market, having those funds aside for things that come up like changing uh, the furnace, whatever the case may be. And you also want to make sure that you treat it like a business. Now, I want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to one of our Fearless Money Sisterhood members. Her name is Laura, and she is in Australia. And I have to tell you, her drive not only towards her goals, but to always be in good spirits. She is just always in good spirits. It's so refreshing. And she's super helpful as well too. So Laura, I just want to thank you for being a part of the sisterhood and just keep up the great work. Keep on pressing. So that is a wrap for today. Again, I want to remind you that the today is the last call for grabbing a spot in the Fearless Money Sisterhood membership uh, for only $25. If you take action before 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, when this episode release is released on Thursday, May 12th, you'll, ab- you'll be able to grab a spot at the current price of $25. And if you don't, you will have to wait till July 1st of this year when also the price will go up and there is an enrollment fee. So if you've been thinking about it, just go ahead and do it. And you can go to jenhempill.com forward slash fearless. 
So that is a complete wrap for today. I want to thank Amy for joining us, for just sharing with us her story. It was just a fabulous interview. Just you can check out the show notes, uh, the different links at jenhemphill.com forward slash 49. Thanks again for joining me. And I will talk to you next Thursday.